This is NiceAce Now, your source for real-time and on-demand professional learning designed specifically with the independent school educator in mind. A podcast of interviews, seminars, and conference talks to listen to whenever and wherever you like. Brought to you by the New York State Association of Independent Schools. I'm George Swain. In this interview at the NiceAce Heads Conference in November of 2016, Dr. Ned Hallowell and I discuss his recent book, Driven to Distraction at Work, and he explains why all of us seem so terribly distracted these days. Well, I'm here with uh, Dr. Edward Hallowell, uh, one of our foremost experts on attentiveness and attention and schooling. And uh, Dr. Hallowell, you've written a new book that uh, I know that many are going to find a very compelling read um, that focuses on a somewhat different um, audience, which is adults and work in the world of work. Um, one of the questions I have for you is, how do you think the world has changed in the area of work and um, in, in, in the economy in our country? It, it's grown way more distracted than ever. Uh, the title of the book is Driven to Distraction at Work, uh, How to Focus and Be More Productive. And the, the reason I wrote the book is I was told the chief request executives have these days is not for better marketing strategy or better economic strategy, is for, for focus. How do, how do we focus at work? Um, and, and uh, you know, people were coming to me thinking they had attention deficit disorder. They didn't have true ADD. What they had were what I came to call a severe case of modern life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what I call attention deficit trait, ADT. It looks just like ADD. But it's caused by the culture. It's caused by the environment. And whereas true attention deficit disorder is something you inherit. It's, it's, uh, it's biologic. This is entirely created by the, uh, by the environment. And how do you tell them apart? I, I, you can do what I call the Vermont test. You take someone who thinks they might have it, put them on a farm in Vermont, and come back in a week. Mm-hmm. And if they're sitting in a rocking chair on the porch, then it was ADT. But if they've turned the farm into an amusement park, then it's true ADD. You know? so, in other words, ADD is, is, is uh, environmentally independent, it's, uh, whereas ADT is created by it. And we live in an incredibly distracted world. You know, there are estimates that uh, 20 minutes out of every hour are devoted to an unplanned interruption. Uh, and we have these screens that are, are magnetic, that they just draw us in. And I describe a pattern that I call screen-sucking, where People are not productively working online. They're, they're wasting time online. They say, I'll just go check my email. Mm-hmm. And an hour later, they're still there. They're shopping on the Internet. They're, you know, they're visiting their favorite sites. They're you know, sending and receiving meaningless, unimportant message. And, and, and it's hypnotic. It, you're not even aware of the passage of time. It's a grand, I, I, I'm guilty myself. I'll go to an airport, and I, I, my flight is delayed, which happens more often than not. And what do I do with that some chunk of free time? Do I read a book? Do I talk to an interesting-looking stranger? No, like it's not, I'll look up and there will be CNN on and Wolf Blitzer will be talking down to me and I'll just sit there listening to him intone some bad news that I don't want to hear anyway. But we've been so conditioned to take any free time and fill it with, with a screen. So the good news is this is all controllable. We've inadvertently, unintentionally given away control. And my big message is take control back. You know, beware of, be very cognizant of how you invest and spend 
your time, attention, energy. Says we use the same verbs as we do with money, mm. and they're even more precious. What are you doing with your attention? What are you doing with your energy, mental energy? What are you doing with your time? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't waste it screen sucking. Mm-hmm. Tim Armstrong turned around AOL. You know, they recently just got bought by Verizon. Tremendous, great deal for AOL and everyone involved. And, and Tim told me that the, 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 the key move he made in, in revitalizing the company was mandating what he called 10% think time. Mm-hmm. He required 10% of every week, uh, every executive's time, be spent thinking. No screen, no meeting. They had to be thinking. They had to be wrestling with an idea. Uh, thinking is work, and that's why people avoid it. It's hard work. It hurts because things don't just fall neatly into place. You have to work to get them neatly into place. And it's frustrating. And if you've got a screen right there, I had one uh, female executive said she she uh, broke her screen sucking habit simply by putting her computer behind her, hmm. so she had to swivel to to get, and and that that simple act of having to swivel allowed her to break the habit. She said when it was front and center on my desk, it was like a jar of M and M's. I just reached for it whenever I got frustrated, mm-hmm. and I I I wasn't sustaining attention on a, on a task for very long. Hmm. Well, you, it sounds then as if you're optimistic about the future. You know, a lot of people are pessimistic about the direction that attention and work and uh, the struggles that you describe are heading. And, and I hear a lot of people uh, almost speak as if they don't know how to regain the kind of control they had in a different, in an earlier time. But you sound optimistic about it. What, what are some steps and concrete things that you think uh, individuals might do to um, help themselves take control of their lives. Well, yeah. Other than being by temperament op- optimistic, I, <laughs> I, I think there's good reason to be optimistic because uh, once people wise up to how much time they're wasting, and and really how flat and deadening the effect can be, life loses its luster. Then they'll be motivated to do what they need to do, which isn't that hard. It's recreate boundaries that we've broken down. You know, like Tom Friedman says, the world is flat. We've broken down all the boundaries of time and space, and, and, and uh, um, you need to recreate them, like 10% think time. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, a rule at dinner, we don't do email during dinner, or, mm-hmm. uh, or a corporate policy of uh, set the bar high before you send an email, or don't work out emotional issues via email. Terrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some basic strategies that can uh, protect you uh, and protect your your attention long enough that you can get serious work done. It's it's not that complicated, mm-hmm. uh, but it can be very difficult because it, it's like breaking a bad habit. It's like quitting smoking. It, it can be extremely difficult. But people are willing to do it. it, it you take a take a weekend and, and have no electronics mm-hmm. at first. You're reaching for it all the time, like a package of cigarettes. But by the time the weekend is over, you're, you're feeling rejuvenated. Wow, I didn't know. It's like ambient noise getting turned off. You know, suddenly you're you're not uh, uh, you're not spending all that time with a screen. Like the panic that it, that ensues when the internet goes down in your house, and then all right. of a sudden people realize, oh, there are other things I like to There's do in other, the house. Other things we can like, talk to each yeah, other. Exactly, and, uh, exactly. Play cards or something. Um, you know, another area that you've got. 
had great experience uh, with in your career are schools. And I'm wondering, uh, you talk about the corporate world um, quite a bit in this new book, and, and also um, wondering what the message is for school leaders and whether you think that schools are places where these issues of distractibility at work are heightened. Are they, are you, do you think that people are having an easier time dealing with some of this? Schools are busy places. Are people used to dealing with, with uh, kind of this kind of distraction in schools? Or what do you think the, the message is for school leaders? Schools really should be laboratories of focus. Mm -hmm. They should really be places where kids learn how to focus. And most schools that I know of have policies when it comes to screens. You know, we, when you can have an iPhone, if you can have an iPhone, when you can go online, uh, uh, you know, the very explicit policies regarding uh, the use of elect electronics so that you're in charge of the electronics instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. And kids ought to use school as a place to learn how to use electronics wisely. I mean, it's, it's foolish to have a no electronics policy because that's not the world. Uh, but but you want to have a policy where kids can learn how to put themselves in charge, learn how to use moderation. You know, it's it's the abstinence model of, of treating addiction won't work with electronics because you've got to be able to use them. It's it's more the food model, moderation. Just as you learn to eat with moderation, you you learn to use electronics with moderation, putting yourself in charge of them. And I think schools are, are the perfect place to learn. Parents have to help out, though, by, by also reinforcing the message at home. You can't spend six hours in front of a screen. It's not good for you. you know? That's right. And I think it's interesting, having worked in schools, uh, specifically with middle school-aged children for many years, um, I think parents have a, a sense of ambivalence or concern around the role of technology in schools and the role of, um, uh, you know, the loss of control that they feel that that has. And I wonder if, as parents begin to participate more in uh, social networking and in using technology, whether they become more understanding of the potential or whether they become more fearful of the, uh, um, of, of the dangers. I'm not sure well, what you've I, experienced. I, I think a lot of parents are worrying alone. One of my rules is never worry alone. Mm. And I think if parents will educate themselves, talk to other parents, talk to the school, They'll, they'll come to understand that this is not something they need to fear like the plague, you know, that this is a manageable problem, that schools are managing it as a group, and, and join the group, join the group management. Um, too many parents today, too many people today are isolated, and they don't know who to trust, and so they don't know who to read, who to turn to, and they, they worry alone. Those are the parents who make bad decisions. You know, this, this is a very solvable problem. And, and, and most of the picture is rosy and bright. These electronics are great. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful tools. It changed my life as a writer, word processing. Just incredible. In the old days, you literally had to cut and paste. <laughs> you know, you literally had to have eraser tape and all this mm -hmm. stuff. And, and uh, golly, technology has made life as a writer so much better. So it's, it's, with any new technology, there's a shakedown cruise where you have to learn how to use it so it doesn't use you. And we're going through that now with, with iPhones and, and the like. Very solvable, very solvable, and we will solve it. Excellent. 
Um, do you have any thoughts about how schools may look differently than they currently look in the next five to ten years? Do you think much about um, that level of change and where the society's going? Well, I, I, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that. I think schooling ought to be way more project-based, experiential. Um, I think homework is, is ridiculously a waste of wasted time. You know, I think after school you should do something you can't do at school. Uh, so you should go have, a, have an assignment to visit a homeless shelter or have a, an assignment to visit a pond and take uh, you know samples or have an assignment to go to a museum or uh, go visit a chef uh, you know do have projects interview your grandparents I mean, uh, start a business I mean uh, kids no reason a sixth grader couldn't start a business I mean I, I think and kids would come alive I, I think schools are uh, in, by and large, deadening. They, they turn kids off to education. Um, where I went to school, Exeter, all the classes were taught at round tables, so it was all about asking questions. And learning came to life. I fell in love with learning at, at Exeter. It was absolutely, suddenly, it was a, a, an adventure of questioning and exploring and discovering. And, you know, Exeter is thought of as very gold-fashioned and con conventional. Not at all. It was... And these teachers, you know, I was taught to question everything and, and try out new ideas. And, and because I went there, uh, I, I fell in love with learning and, and, and been doing it. And not enough schools ask questions. Instead, they lecture and they have a memorize and forget curriculum, you know. And, and uh, it's, it, kids understandably get turned off to school. They think it's boring and irrelevant. And, and a lot of it is. You know, so if they could if they could turn learning into what it ought to be, which is experiential experimentation, discovery, uh, interactive, then we could make a, a lot of progress. And, and I also think schools uh, can get seduced by technology, mm -hmm. and they invest tremendous amounts in technology. Where they ought to invest tremendous amounts is getting good teachers. Mm -hmm. The best educational tool going is a really good teacher, an inspiring teacher. That, that is by far the best educational tool going. Unfortunately, a lot of schools don't get that, and they think, oh, no, we'll upgrade our education by upgrading our technology. I'm not opposed to that, I mean, I, and I've seen some schools do remarkable things with technology, but a, a good teacher is worth 100 times more than a, a upgrading the technology. And inspiring teachers change lives. Uh, and un, unfortunately... Uh, there are teachers out there who are the opposite of inspiring, and, and they can ruin lives. You know, so we, we want to put our money, I believe, in, in, in getting great teachers and preserving what I call the human moment. Uh, God save us from the virtual school. I mean, maybe I'm a Luddite. I don't think so. I, I think I'm correctly saying don't go down that road. You need human interaction to inspire kids. Um, you can't mail it in. You can't do it virtually. Mm -hmm. And put more uh, experiential learning, project-based learning, into the curriculum and, and less memorizing and lecturing and deadening, stuff that you and I wouldn't want to do. Right. I wouldn't want to do some of the stuff I had to do in fifth grade, those mm -hmm. the homework sheets. I mean, it's, what a waste of time. Right. Do stuff in school, uh, do stuff out of school that you can't do in school. And in that model, it sounds as though uh, even though the kid may be physically in the building, it's, a, it's almost a virtual experience because it's just a worksheet. Yeah. And it might as well have just been done online. Yeah. Um, and perhaps, you know, there are online models where that connectivity 
that you talk about uh, could be preserved if that's the goal. If the goal is connectivity and great teaching, maybe the tool is, is uh, less important than, the, um, uh, than, that, than that core value. Well, yeah, you, you, can, you can get inspired by watching someone on a screen. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Look, going to the movies or right. uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy mm -hmm. or, you know, when I was a kid, I can't remember who it was, the, the guy who did the science experiments. I, I found that absolutely captivating. Yeah. So, yes, done right, it can be captivating. But yeah. I just, I think it's a mistake to to put such faith in technology mm -hmm. that we lose uh, that, that we lose faith in the power of great teaching. To me, that's, mm -hmm. that, is, that is the most important element in education. Sounds great. Well, that is an optimistic message. And uh, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this Nice Ace Now podcast. Production support comes from Andrew Cook. Interview and conference support by Judith Sheridan and Barbara Swanson. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. For additional podcasts, as well as information about our conferences and other programming, please visit our website, nysais.org.